Hey guys, it's your host Julian. We're continuing our chats with the folks that helped bring Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem to the big screen. This week, we've got the board artist for my favorite scene in the movie, that nod to old boy with a heavy baseline of no diggity, John Jackson. We're talking all things Mutant Mayhem, so if you haven't seen it yet, go watch it and then come back and listen. If you want to be a patron and help support this show as we grow, check the show notes and sign up today. Now, let's get to my chat with John. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to my head podcast. I'm your host Julian. Today, I'm joined by John. John, man, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely, dude. I've I've talked about this movie. Uh, like I fanboyed out when you, ladies and gentlemen, when you see the episode with Andrew, you'll see like we fanned out really hard about this movie, and we should. We're talking mutant mayhem, teenage mutant ninja turtles, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and John here had this scene that was this scene. I told you just a minute ago, like worth the price of admission. Uh, it was my favorite scene in the entire movie. I literally stood up and said, "Let's." go at the top of my lungs a 34 year old <laughs> male i was so pumped when no diggity drops from the fujis and when they are doing that old boys that old boy playoff that scene that hallway fight scene um i loved every second of that man i would love to know like how does that scene come across your across your desk or how do you did you have to ask for that scene or how they find you for that one in particular yeah good question like uh no it had been worked on before. That's the thing is like in animation, you it's a big fat group project, right? Mm -hmm. So you're just uh, getting like, you might be like the third pass of the scene. You know, my friend Charlie Parisi, who uh, is an amazing story artist, he got the script and it said, you know, they fight mobsters to classical music. So he kind of made it, just have a different tone and it was very much a montage and he had these really great ideas and then later they edited his boards to no diggity and that was like it just like hit in the edit and then you know they made all these changes to the script uh they did all these mobsters that had quote-unquote appearance-based nicknames you know that they kind of riff on in the thing so i don't know me and charlie just talked and uh yeah, I, I I didn't ask for it. I was so like fortunate to get that scene. I it was already a fun scene and I just got to do like a pass on it. And uh I was like, we gotta keep no diggity mm -hmm. in this. And if I can with the boards, let's like board it to this like to the beat, like uh like Mickey Mousing, you yes. know, sometimes they call it like let's really rhythmically uh make this song you know fit uh which maybe hadn't been thought of before so like um yeah it was it was so fun <laughs> but, i can imagine now you said uh when it was originally in its first pass they were talking about uh classical music or a classical song yeah uh, when when something like that's happening or do they give you guys like hey it might be one of these couple songs as far as classical goes or are you guys just going out and trying to find anything on youtube or spotify that's classical and then that's what you're trying to get influenced by or how does that work oh man it, it really depends you know sometimes it depends on your director right uh sometimes they have a really particular idea um like i think there are some naughty by nature songs and like some fun like uh kind of like old school hip-hop songs that were always just in 
and they were always going to be in the movie. And I, I think that's Jeff Rose and Seth Rogen's kind of like um, wheelhouse style showing. But there was room, right, for other musical exploration. And yes, yeah, some I think for Charlie, sometimes you just get a script and and it's it's sort of it's it's sort of an outline. They have some ideas, and then you maybe pitch um and do the research and go, hey, I I visualize it to this song, you know, and and so as a story artist, sometimes you get to do that research and then other times they give it to you and so I don't know. Um, I always like when you get kind of an open-ended assignment, which this movie, I'll say Jeff Rowe is so open to your suggestions. Like, I don't, I feel like you see it in the movie too. Like he, he's just open to the best idea. And so anything you throw at him or if you have a different idea, he's very open to it. Um, and which made him, I don't know, just like really fun to work with. I can imagine Andrew brought up those yeah. uh, same sentiments. He was very open to anybody and everybody in the room. He would listen oh, cool. to it. And there was uh there was another guy that uh, I've heard that so much about, and I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, everybody knows him in the animation world, Brad Bird. You know, I talked to, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I talked to a guy uh, named Randy Myers, one of my favorite guests of all time. And uh, cool. he worked on the Iron Giant, a favorite animated movie of all time. And he said they would have these whiteboards of just ideas and he would listen to anything and everything. And then he would take the time if it didn't fit into the story or if it wasn't going to go for the story, he would tell you why it didn't work within the constraints of the story. And I always wow. find that's very cool, especially like wherever you work at. If you got somebody that's just not just telling you no or just because I said so type of thing, they're explaining something or if they're open to suggestion, I feel like it's a better work environment. Obviously, he or she is going to have to take that uh, take that brunt, whether it's a yes or a no and take it all the way. Um, but when people are open to suggestions, it's crazy to see how far something can go with the collaborative effort that you guys have uh, that you guys have done in that in that movie um, with uh, with like, this. Uh, or sorry, just to it, oh, no, I, I just feel like that takes um humility i i, I think uh it, i think it takes humility to be that brad bird that jeff rowe to yes. say hey i don't i'm not free like i'm not the guru here because i am called the director they're more like the collectors of ideas and then they sift through but some aren't as open and so i i think it's really cool when creatives are kind of like uh humble and open you know like oh absolutely yeah yeah i mean it like i said it makes a great work environment when you can go to somebody and they know and you know they're not going to shoot your idea down just because yeah. you know you're x y and z when it comes to wherever you're at on the totem pole you know it makes you feel empowered to actually go and do the best job you can you know when you got somebody that's got your back you're gonna you're gonna try a lot harder for them than somebody that's gonna shoot down every idea you got um you know with this scene how many times do you think with this scene in particular, how many times do you think you listen to no diggity? How how many times do you have it on the loop? <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, I a lot. Honestly, a lot. Uh I was going through, you know, because we were chatting it on Instagram before this, and like I was going through the previous boards and I uh, I was remembering like, oh yeah, I the beginning, especially, I listened to that little like lead in uh mm -hmm. to where dr dre like you know starts dropping his verse like that little section um 
Oh man. It's like, it's like imprinted on my brain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you dreaming in no diggity? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. I was dreaming. My wife was just like, Hey, listen, you gotta pick another song. No, but, uh, it's true. It, and I was so, you know, what's cool about that song though? Like, I, I really do think like, okay, cool. I, I got, I was, I was lucky to and fortunate to work on this scene, but man, that, the song makes it like. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, it definitely enhances what you guys did. You guys, you guys carried the 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 workload. You guys carried the weight essentially. Throw out a cowboy bebop reference, um, yeah. you know. But it, it's like that scene in particular. Like when I think of that, that encapsulated the entire movie for me. You know, I, there's two scenes in particular that I, I think when I look back at this movie, and I'd have to go back and rewatch this movie, um, and I can't wait for it to hit digital so I can. Uh, having three kids is very hard to get out and watch movies, you know, um, and yeah, it's, it's been difficult, but uh, you know, it's fun nonetheless having kids. Um, but th- that scene. And then that first scene, when you see them out there and then all of New York is enjoying the movie out in the, in the, in the park, like those scene, those two scenes in particular, just like encapsulate the Ninja Turtles for me. Like when I think of that movie, those are the two scenes um, when you're working this scene, obviously you got four turtles to pull from now. I would love to know. I'm pretty sure you've been asked this hundreds of times, but uh, what was your favorite turtle? And has that changed since you were a kid? And what was your favorite turtle to work on for this scene in particular? Mm, that's fun. Uh, I, hey, listen, first of all, I got to admit, like uh, people having worked on this movie, it's really fun because people come to you with their diehard turtle fandom stories Mm -hmm. and uh there's so much love for this franchise and i frankly did not grow up a turtle kid like uh i yeah i wasn't raised on the 90s movies i was just raised on other stuff i was like a courage the cowardly dog dexter's lab like uh nightmare before christmas you should listen to my podcast yeah (laughs) i've I've had I've had almost every big guy that you can manage. How old are you by by the way? You said probably about my uh, age, thirty-two. 34. Oh, so we're we're right there, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, this is a shameless plug for my podcast. Even if you're on it, man, just go. No, take a deep no, dive. give it. I, I've had I've had almost every creator from those '90s, with the exception of Gendy Tartakovsky and uh, Danny Antonucci. I'm working on John R. Dilworth, which is the creator of Courage the Cowardly Dog. Um, awesome. If you like. Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. I've had Maxwell Adams. Maxwell Adams is coming on uh, in a couple weeks again, where he's going to do our Halloween episode this year. Um, so yeah, man, it's I'm a huge Cartoon Network fan, and uh, it's sad that the studio had to merge with Warner Brothers. Um, I feel like a piece of my child. I'm from Orlando, Florida. I already told you, uh, but Nickelodeon yeah. Studios was here. So when I drive past that Nickelodeon hotel that we would always see on all that and stuff, the orange, green, and purple, or orange, green, and all that other shit, uh, it's now like <laughs> doo doo brown and gray. It's it's they devoid it of all color and all innocence oh. of being a kid, you know. So I didn't mean to derail your your cartoon uh, your your cartoon thing there, but that was a shameless plug for you to come and check out the podcast. I'm with you. I'm listening to that. I I love Courage the Cowardly Dog. I I all my nephews are are very like scaredy cat type kids. Mm-hmm. Um, every movie, my sister was like, they saw Sing Two and they couldn't finish it. You know, they're freaked out. And I was totally the creepy kid. It was like, give me more creepy Courage the Cowardly Dog. Yeah. Um, her like borderline horrific imagery with Nightmare a little bit of coffee. Yeah. 
it, it agreed with me. So um, that's really, I'll, 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 I'll definitely check that out. That's awesome. Yeah. I'll send you the episode for uh, the head writer, man. The guy was so fucking cool. David Stephen Cohen, cool. man. One of my favorite guests as well. Um, but yeah, wow. going back, I didn't mean, like I said, I didn't mean to derail you, but you were talking about, you didn't grow up with the turtles, man, but uh, working on that's this right. movie, it felt like yeah. every single person that was on this movie was a fan. I mean, the love exudes from the screen, from the writing to the to the boarding to the animating to the music that's played in this. Like everything, there wasn't one dull moment in this. There wasn't one, you know, fucking turtle shell unturned. You know, when you think about it, pun intended. Um, but uh, it, it felt like you guys were all fans, man. So with you being kind of on the outside looking in, was it what were you going back and reading or watching to kind of get into the mindset of these turtles? Well, I will say what got me in was definitely before getting asked to be on this movie, the rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles show. That's a fun uh, one. That animation is just nuts. Like, yes. it is bonkers. And uh, I didn't know. And then now you see Primal and a lot of great 2D animated shows just, great just have like really great quality animation. But man, Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles there, the quality of animation was so out of this world. So that that kind of got my attention. I thought that they were going to ask me to work on that movie when I first got the call. And then, mm -hmm. you know, but... We had such a, we have this guy, Andrew Joustra. Uh, I hope I'm not butchering your name, Andrew, if you're listening to this, but um, he was like the dramaturg or like the historian of Ninja Turtles for this project. Mm -hmm. So like any piece of Turtle Mania trivia, anything, he like had it locked. So we always could like ask him stuff. And uh but from there, it was just me watching stuff and um, getting a feel for, okay, how how do we know the, the brothers were conveyed before and uh, where are we taking them? Because they definitely wanted to take them in a new direction. Uh, but yeah, I, I, and to answer your earlier question, like Michelangelo, I think is always yeah. the, the guy for me because I just love his eating um crazy <laughs> things on different pizza i love the reference in this movie where he's like i eat, i put waffles on my pizza or whatever um but yeah no i i had to kind of learn on this project and uh just watch stuff and i've become so much more of a fan like uh just being a part of this and so i'm i'm like grateful to be like late i'm late to the party but like, like happy to be here <laughs> If that makes oh, sense. oh, absolutely. There's there's so many times that I'm glad you brought up Primal um, because yeah. there's there's so many things that I'm glad that I'm seeing now. Um, yeah. I don't I don't know when the last time you watched. And I've talked about this on my podcast before, but go back and watch. If you haven't watched Samurai Jack in a while, go back and watch the entire series of Samurai Jack. Watch it as an adult. Like I've I've told myself so many times where like I used yeah. to think that I could appreciate Samurai Jack when I was 12 when it was coming out. If I could go back in time, I'd kick my own ass and say, you don't know shit. 
the the yeah. movie or the show excuse me a uh, samurai jack i i don't think i could have appreciated anywhere near being 12 it took me uh 20 something years later having three kids having a little bit of perspective understanding loss understanding you know gaining and all this other shit that i i, I went through that jack also went through to, to appreciate this shit so i think things come in and out of your life at, at the time are supposed to i'm not going to get any like guru type of shit on anybody but it's like Things are supposed to happen when they're supposed to happen. And like turtles, turtles are all ages, man. I, I've seen people, you know, in their 50s now that I've seen them with turtles. Go, I go to Comic Cons all the time. And then yeah. I see old guys or old girls that are just decked out. They've got tattoos of turtles. So they're all turtled up. They're kids. Sometimes their grandkids are turtled up. So it's like this thing, it just, it's, there's something in there for everybody, whether you like the turtles or you like the villains or you like, you know, pick a character man there's somebody there's something out there for somebody there's how do i say that there's something in there for everybody is what i meant to say um but yeah uh absolutely man um so going back to to you said michelangelo was your favorite was he your favorite one to board for this entire sequence or did you like one of the other turtle sequences a little bit better all right as we take a pause for the cause if you haven't yet you should check us out on all social media platforms by searching at in my head pod there you can see who we've got coming on, and if you feel so inclined to, you could submit a question to be asked. Now, let's get back to the show. Oh man, I I always well, man. Th- if we're talking about this particular no diggity scene, like what a nightmare! Like I was just on YouTube, like okay, <laughs> yeah, he, he has nunchucks, mm-hmm. um, but <laughs> how do you, how do you uh? learn like nunchuck choreography and and uh how does that work and um without making it overly violent because this is going to be a pg-13 pg movie and we're not lopping off heads you know in this scene Mm -hmm. uh raf for me seemed the easiest it's kind of like yeah i don't know like the size just made sense to me just slashing Uh kind of like wolverine he's sort of just like slashing and throwing and catching and doing cool, you know, moves with his wrists. Mm-hmm. And I always like enjoyed that. And um, I have him like ripping a pillow apart or something. <laughs> but uh, Michelangelo's was hard because how do you, uh, you know, I was just watching a lot of Bruce Lee. I think Enter oh, the Dragon, good. he does some. Uh, yes. Um, yeah. And so a lot of that. Um. And then Donnie, you know, how how do you make Donnie's moves different from Michelangelo's? And how do you, you know, <laughs> those weapons are all so different. So I, I, it was such a nightmare to like learn how all of those are used because I never really worked on a uh, like a kung fu ninjutsu mm-hmm. type thing before. So yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but that was yeah. Uh, pretty uh i'm like remembering how stressed uh, stressed i was <laughs> and, uh you know oh absolutely man uh yeah uh so my 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 oldest does karate and shit so whenever oh, he does cool. tournaments he'll go and he started out with the bow staff for weapons and stuff so they'll do like creative forms and, and you see him at you, google you know just forms for inner weapon um and he would always place last because there was this uh 
there was this female and when they're in age brackets they do male and female for um for weapons and forms and then for for fighting and sparring they always separate men and women or uh boys and girls and oh, okay. um you know so he would just get toasted when he would show oh. up with his bow staff like because it's 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 very it's a bow staff nothing against donnie yeah. like donnie's always been my second favorite turtle raf has always been my guy i've been such a huge fan yeah of, of Raphael. Y'all, yeah, I mean, he's so great. He's he's that character that's like a Shrek man. You peel back so many layers. It's like everybody just on the outside looking is he's angry. Yes yeah. and no, man. But you see how he cares for his brothers. You see that you know he gets mad at himself because he loses his shit. He knows he's got that anger issue that he's trying to work on, but he doesn't feel like he's being understood. So he's like I said, there's so many layers to that 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 particular. It's just not just angry. Um, but uh, yeah. you know, going back to uh, Hayden. He was doing bow staff, and there was this uh, there was this chick in his in, in his division, and then she, I think she was Aikido, maybe I, I can't remember the discipline she did, but she had yeah. katanas or one katana, excuse me. And <laughs> dude, I'm telling you right now, like if she was a fucking samurai back in the day, I believe it, dude. She was <laughs> vicious. She was doing the craziest combinations of spins, flips, and all this other shit. I'm just like, he looks at me, and I'm looking at him, and I go. You're not winning. <laughs> You're not getting anywhere. Like, just, give, just, just give in. <laughs> just yeah. appreciate yeah, just, this moment. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, just bow out, bro. You're you're not. And like I think uh like the highest he'd ever finished when she was in his division, because they were all the same age. I think he might have gotten yeah. second. So he beat out, you know, um, I don't know what they're called, but it's like this this thing on the end of a chain and it comes out and it was like really weird looking, but it was really cool because it it could do some damage and then you've had some like bow staff some size and stuff like that uh, but the, the katanas whenever anybody brought out the katanas they were always the coolest they always had the dopest forms um so i gotta oh, yeah. imagine that one was pretty fun too um oh, yeah. with the with this that. movie in particular um you know do you feel like there was a scene I'll, if you couldn't pick yours is there a scene in this movie where you say this is what the turtles are or this is what encapsulates the turtles oh wow um Well, that's a that's an interesting question because, uh, and I think there is like con I don't know if I would say controversy, but conversations uh with fans over where this movie took the turtles. Uh, obviously, they took them in a very teenage direction. Mm -hmm. uh, the scene of them, there was always a scene of them screwing around on a roof, and. Yeah. In this one, it's it's them with the watermelon and throwing yeah. Uh, ninja you know, stars. Uh, yeah, shurikens or ninja stars at his head, and like, what? It was always like, what is that scene that shows like idiot kids like sh like aiming like Roman candles at each other? You know, uh, stuff that I did as a kid. Uh, Hey, will this work? It might. It could kill us. Let's just see. You know, like stuff like that. Um, I remember there was something with like pigeons. Like Michelangelo was like trying to see how many pigeons he could like get on his body. Yeah. And then, and then he's like starts to get lifted up, and he's like, "Whoa!" And they're like, "Stop!" Like something inherently New York. But to me, that encapsulates what this particular movie was going for like idiot kids kind of being away from their dad uh just uh being teens mm -hmm. and uh enjoying themselves 
uh, obviously there's a lot of scenes that were cut that kind of more, you know, uniquely define them, but I'd say the brothers come together at the end and that, but, but to me, that's the scene or, or, or like that scene of them, Michelangelo's like twerking and April's like filming them. <laughs> scenes like that, that, that was very much the goal with this movie is how teenage can we get these mm -hmm. kids, you know, and make them lovable and yeah. Which is different than it was maybe before. So I think people uh, had feelings about it, you know, and uh, I think it's it's fascinating. But anyways, oh, it, it, curious what your thoughts were. Like, you're such a turtle fan. What what did you like about the differences, or or did they matter to you, or yeah. So I've always been, not always, because this is something I'm trying to be a little bit more conscious of these last couple of years. Um, you know, when it comes to when it comes to movies, TV shows, or anything like that, I always go in not with very low expectations, but I try to like disassociate myself with whatever I'm going and watching. That way, I can drop any kind of like preconceived notions of what I'm about to watch or what I'm. I just want to be a fan and enjoy of whatever I'm going, whether I like the movie or I know anything about the movie, whenever I go in and I watch something, I want to try to devoid myself of any kind of personal bullshit I might have against an actor or a writer, yada, yeah. yada, yada. So when I go in to this movie in particular, I'm already hook, line and sinker turtles. I've liked every rendition of the turtles. Even I know Michael Bay gets shit on a lot for the turtles uh, movies that he did. I didn't think they were bad. I just, it, this is where it kind of started for me, that whole, it's just not for me type of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's for a younger generation. It's for a younger audience. Um, you know, so when I see this trailer, I, I alluded to this a little bit, uh, you know, before we hit record, when I saw this trailer, we were in theater for, like, I'd seen it on my phone and stuff like that completely blows you out of the water when you go and you see it on the big screen. They're just some, yeah. like, this is, this movie is not made for a little screen. This movie is made to be out in the wild with a shit ton of people, everybody collective group think laughing at these four guys doing these insane things because they're teenage mutant Ninja Turtles. Right. You know, yeah. so we're in there, we're watching Spider-Man, um, you know, a few months before uh, Turtles comes out and the trailer comes on. Right. And I already knew I was going to be in love with this movie because of the act, the interaction I saw with my, my youngest son, Cooper. He's like I said, he's two years old and you know, I taught him his colors by giving him M&Ms. So like he would get like five or six M&Ms, like those little M&Ms if he ate all of his dinner at the end of the night. And like we would tell the colors, right? Green, blue, red, brown, you know, uh, whatever other yellow, um, orange. So he learned his colors that way. And then I, I, I've read to him every night since he was very, very little. And when he could start sitting up at like four or five months old, however they are, when they start sitting up and be able to hold their heads, I've been reading yep. to him the entire time. And I had cool. this turtle book. You know, these little golden books, they're like five bucks at the bookstore and stuff. Yeah. So he would he would literally like I would point out every turtle. I'd point out every villain and then he would mimic the names and shit. Right. So we're sitting <laughs> in the movie theater and then, you know, we're watching a kid's movie, but there's not a bunch of kids in the theater for Spider-Man and it's a bunch of adults. Right. So I'm already thinking like, oh, shit, if he makes too much noise, we're probably going to get kicked out. You know what I mean? So this it was it was very iffy, like if I was going to be able to see all the Spider-Man with him or not. Yeah. So the Ninja Turtle trailer hits 
And like I said, this is where you guys got my money. Before I saw that no diggity scene, before anything, you guys had my money and you has you guys had my love and respect for this. I'm looking out of the side of my eye because I start seeing him move around. I figured he was just, you know, wanting to come closer or whatever. And he's so little, I have to put my leg on his chair so he doesn't get <laughs> popped up, right? Yeah, so I've yeah. got my leg over there. And then I see him and he's trying to stand up. And he's just yeah. yelling every turtle name, every villain name that he <laughs> knows. And dude, I'm telling you right now, it almost brought me to it. tears because I'm looking at him and then I'm I'm assuming this is what I look like at a, as, at his age when my mom yeah. saw me going through the same turtle mania that I'm seeing him go through. And I'm sitting there and like my eyes are getting all misty and shit. And I'm like, dude, this is <laughs> the coolest fucking thing in the world. Like this little dude doesn't know. All he knows is these fucking turtles because I've read this book to him every night for the last fucking year. He knows yeah. all these turtles. He's so excited to see this movie, regardless of this movie, you know, good, bad or indifferent. You know, it, it was good or it wasn't good. It didn't live up to my expectations. That didn't fucking matter to me at this point because that little kid sitting next to me was having such a great time watching a three minute trailer. I was like, dude, if he likes three minutes of this shit, he's going to love an hour and a half of this stuff. Yep, I go in yep. there. I see this movie. I'm having fun because I'm with my kids and I'm just sitting here and I'm like, dude, this is like the first time I've felt like a kid probably in 20 plus years. I was like, cool. to if you guys can elicit that kind of feeling out of me, and I'm not saying I'm a cold hearted, I'm not dead in the side or anything like that, but it's just like, you know, you kind of outgrow a lot of that stuff when you get older, you get responsibilities, you got all this stress that you got upon you, you know? So it's like, you're trying to, you know, prioritize and compartmentalize like what you get excited for. And I'm sitting here and I'm watching this shit. I'm like, dude, I have not been one this excited about a Turtles movie since, fuck, man, probably that 2006 movie that came out, right? Uh, haven't been excited about Turtles since 2012 when it comes to the TV series, when that 2012 Nickelodeon series came out. Yeah. You know, so it, it's been some time. And, and it was just like, it, it transported me back to me being a kid and seeing that first Ninja Turtle movie. Seeing... Yeah that Matt, like, like I've seen that movie so many fucking times. Like this podcast was started because of the Ninja Turtles. I've told the story, ladies and gentlemen, I'll make it a quick one. So I apologize, but I was watching that first Ninja Turtles movie and I just happened to look up and it's during COVID. I just happened to look up and then I'd seen the movie thousands of times at this point, right? As a kid, I burnt this DVD out on multiple occasions. This one and <laughs> dumb and dumber. I burn out on VHS yep. two or three times and my mom would not buy dumb and dumber again. Right? So I always <laughs> had the Ninja Turtle VHS. So, I just happened to look up when I'm cleaning because I'm the only one home. You know, we hadn't had my two-year-old yet. Um, and then my my oldest one, he's doing his homework on the computer and shit because, like I said, it's during the heart of COVID. And I just happened to look up and I see some names. And I was like, huh, why have I never heard that or seen that name before? I've like, I, I feel like, you know, I feel like I should know this this guy's name. So I, I pause it. His name was Gary Proper. He was the guy that went into Detroit. He was the, the manager for um, Gallagher at that time. Uh, the comedian, and he was in Detroit touring oh. with Gallagher and stuff. And he goes into a comic book store in Detroit and he sees the first issue of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and he buys it off the shelf as a wall book. It's like $15 book right at that point. Now it's like a $25,000 book if you got it graded seven yeah. and above. Um, and he buys it and then he's like, holy shit, this is like the next thing. And he goes in front of every movie producer he can sit down with and said, hey, you guys got to get on this. And they laughed him out of the room. Right. They laughed right. him out of the room, said, who's going to fucking like Ninja Turtles? That doesn't make any sense. This is stupid. Get out of my office. Right. 
and he finally gets it going and then this movie blows up and then turtle mania the 87 series had already hit right the playmates yeah. toy line was already blowing up this movie catapulted it into the into the stratosphere right and like i said just just seeing these these movies and then trying to implement this i was like i got to talk to all these people and i see this name and i just google him and i i find out he passed away like the year prior or two years prior and i was like fuck that sucks but this guy wrote an entire article this this journalist for the newspaper so he had his phone number down there so i called it just off of a whim i don't even know why i called it just to you know see what this guy was all about and he told me he's like yeah i, I interviewed him i didn't ask too much about turtles my kids are into turtles he's like i don't really care about the turtles he was like you should talk to this guy's manager so that led to this I was talking to this guy and it was a whole bunch of the guys that were in charge of the first movie, like a lot of the producers and the writers. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, they were like, Hey, you seem pretty passionate about this shit. How about you do a podcast about the turtles? And I was like, well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk to anybody and everybody that has anything to do with turtles, comic books, wow. movies, cartoons. That's what I want to do. Um, I had a name for it. It's called the turtle tapes. Um, and, uh, you know, and that kind of fell through with that guy, you know, he kind of ghosted me and I was like, fuck dude. I had already recorded my first episode with Rob Paulson, the original voice actor for Raphael in the 87 cartoon cool. series, yep. among other things. Um, and they were trying to get the early episodes I had. I had Francois Chow, the uh, second shredder from Secret of the Ooze, the super shredder. Um, you know, I had a couple other people from Turtle Stuff. And they just kept trying to get my content. I'm like, no, dude, I'm not going to. I did this on my own. I was like, you guys didn't pay me to do this. This is mine. So I'm just going to go ahead and do something else. Um, yeah. I figured I would run out of turtle people to talk to really quick, which I did. I only had like three people in like the first six, seven months. Um, so I, I I love animation. I mean, you can kind of see it. I'll take a picture of it. I'll send it to you. But yeah, I'm literally. That. Your mural is awesome. Yeah. All yeah kinds I'm, of I'm seeing Mario. I'm, I'm, Oh, you can see it's really blurry on my side. Um, yeah, I no, I can see. I'm seeing SpongeBob. Some we got Pokemon, Pokemon yeah. in there. I'm thinking. I'm like, I don't want to mistake in it. Oh, there's Samurai Jack. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, I'm totally Samurai Jack. Yeah, the best. Yeah, so you know, cool. it's it's just I put that shit all over the wall, man. And I, I loved animation. I love movies. I love comic books. Uh, you know, so I didn't want to typecast myself into just one narrow. Um, facet of fandom right so yeah. uh, I was like let's just do all of animation because I love cartoons I don't really have anybody to talk to with about cartoons my friends watch it but it's very we're like we're very different like my best friend the only guy I really talk to he does all anime that's all he really watches yeah. um, so I've gotten into that more so you know it went from turtles inspiring me to be in pop culture to turtles inspiring me to start this podcast which is extremely cathartic at the end of the week man I get to talk to you guys uh, that created such great shit and uh, I get to highlight you and then everybody else I have on this show because you guys put in so much hard work for this show. That's a long winded way of as answering your question of like, you know, what did I think of this? It started with that kid seeing that I was happy. And then seeing this movie, man, I, like I said, I absolutely loved it. There was not one scene that I thought in this movie to bring it all back around your question. There was not one scene in this entire movie that I was like, dude, come on. I got places to be like, I was like, I don't think I blinked with the exception of getting puked on by my, my two-year-old. I don't think I really looked away from the screen yeah. at all, man. It was, wow. it was so fun. It, it felt like, it felt like that's what the teenagers or not teenagers, excuse me. I felt like that if the Ninja Turtles were real and they were teenagers, this is what they would do. They would do stupid yeah. shit like that. You know, that scene where they're in the bedroom and they're like, what would you do if you were like a, a normal person or, or a human that, yeah. That that was another scene that I said would probably encapsulate the entire thing. Like that, if you think about the turtles, what are the turtles? That scene right there is 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 up there as well. It's just them projecting what they want to do and what they want to be. I, I just thought it was a beautiful moment, you know. Yeah, 
I agree that. Yeah. And thanks for, uh, illuminating that for me. You know, I, um, it's, it's really, I just love hearing people's connections with the Ninja Turtles. And, uh, just last night I was at dinner with some friends and they're like, Oh, you know, they're showing me videos of their attic and it's their mom, like set up like a shrine of all the family's Ninja Turtle toys and <laughs> how much it meant to them and how excited they are to see the new movie. They haven't seen it yet. So, uh, yeah, I, I just like, I love hearing about the passion behind this and it means a lot that people respond and like this movie. Like, uh, when you are working on a, I've never worked on a big IP before mm -hmm. this is my first time working on like a thing that has like a fan base and that's i now kind of get it i i sort of get what people you hear about in podcasts and mm -hmm. directors saying yeah feeling the pressure you know um uh because it, it means it means something to people and uh there is some degree of responsibility and i feel like jeff wrote you know directing this it was always coming from his love that he yeah. had as a kid he oh, would wear like the the shirts that he, his turtle shirts that he had as a kid oh, <laughs> like, that's so or he'd cool. go rebuy them on ebay that were like the throwback you know the, some of the coolest like swag you know from the 80s and stuff but he was it was always coming from how he felt about the turtles as a kid and and honestly it came a lot from his love for the toys you know mm -hmm. uh he really the mutants the whole presence of the mutant mayhem like yes it used to be called ninja turtles the next chapter mm -hmm. and i'm so glad they freaking changed the title of the movie because the next chapter that didn't mean anything it's like the next no. chapter what is that mutant mayhem it's like yes this is totally what we're going for he wanted slime ooze like the uh <laughs> barf you know like but also just the fun of the action figures you know uh i think it was muckbug which got changed into like scumbug or mm -hmm. uh but yeah it all just came from his love for his deep love of having those toys as a kid and how can we kind of turn it into a movie that is oddly grounded in not very cartoony actually pretty uh pretty gritty and like uh it's very cinematic very cinematic it's not like cloudy of the chance of meatballs and rubber hosey at all it's it's quite uh he always wanted it to feel like you're watching like a skating video like uh with kids like dogtown and z boys like uh handheld camera what would a kid actually do in this thing? Not just what would a cartoon do? Um, when people get hit, they bleed. Mm -hmm. uh, except Donnie gets his leg stabbed by a knife and nothing really happens. <laughs> but they kind of joke about that later. But um, anyways, yeah, uh, uh, just kind of rambling here. But uh, oh. I appreciate the love that people have. And, and it definitely... Uh, it 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 touched me. It it, it really yeah. uh it it means a lot to me to see it come out, see the reactions, and to see like that love and um uh 
it's go it's going both ways from the creators and also the viewers you know so anyways there was a no, I, I like those little rants because I, I literally took like fucking six minutes to explain to you my fandom and love for the turtles. And I love that. Uh, I love I was, yeah, you know, so there was there was one thing when I when when they broke out the uh the shurikens or the uh the ninja stars, there was one thing that I kept thinking back to. And I'm not saying it's out of the realm of possibility because of you know Seth Rogan being the guy, um, you know, helming it and you know, really pushing the turtles movie through. And his humor falls along the same lines as South Park too, right? So I got to imagine he's probably yeah. a fan of South Park. Do you remember when all the boys got, um, they all got uh, ninja weapons? So they pretty much all got ninja turtle weapons. And then <laughs> Butters gets a, a ninja star in his eye. You remember that? And they dressed him, Carmen I, dressed him up like a dog. <laughs> if I, like that would have been something I probably saw in like 2007 with all my buddies upstairs where we used to watch south park but yeah tell me again what happens he throw does it so they all go to the flea market or it's very blurry but you know the basis is all the boys get um get uh and it's an anime episode so they all turn into like oh. anime right so um they all get weapons and they all say it's like the whole christmas story you'll shoot your eye out type of thing you can't have these Cartman throws a ninja star and it catches Butters in the eye. So I think he convinces <laughs> Butters that the world has been taken over. So he takes yeah. Butters instead of getting him to a doctor. Cartman takes Butters to like a junkyard saying, hey, this world is getting ready to blow up. We have to put you in this bunker. And he dresses yeah. him up. I think he dresses him up like a dog or some shit. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, he ends up getting a fucking star in his eye and then it gets all infected and he's like, you know, he escapes essentially. But like when I see the ninja star in his leg and, I'm, and that's the first thing I thought of was like, oh shit, I wonder if this was like, it, were these guys watching South Park and this kind of, you know, influenced <laughs> the scene? Total. I mean, this is a question. If you can get Gabe Lynn on, he, you know, was probably the first storyboard artist to work on this. Mm-hmm. And then he became the head of story and Kyler was the head of story. And then he became the co-director, but Gabe was always doing that chop chop scene. That was his mm-hmm. scene. And uh, <laughs> I'm sure I like Gabe, Gabe has a pretty dark sense of humor and I don't really know what it was. I, I think all I know is the point of that scene was like, how badly can this go for them? They're really trying to push, like they've never really used their ninja skills before. Mm-hmm. Um, Raph is obviously dying to use. Oh yeah. Uh, violence. And <laughs> get an anger problem. <laughs> yeah. He has anger problem. Yeah. You got anger problems. Bro. And he's like, I don't care. I mean, I remember back in the day there they used to do there was a little bit of a more expressionistic style in animation. I remember Raph gets kind of close to the camera and you could see fire in his eyes. Literally someone yeah. animated little <laughs> flames in his eyes. I think they took that out to make it a little more grounded. But that's Gabe. Gabe Lynn, man, he genius. Like he's just like <laughs> I mean, if you look at his boards, there's a blood splatter and and Leonardo's face gets splattered in blood and then he's like ah and he's looking around and he just has blood (laughs) something wrong there's always something scary about having someone else's blood on like your face and they're scrambling and a lot more getting hit with like crowbars and stuff but uh no it's all it's totally seth rogan south park i think it's all like in that same like cloud uh you know so 
Absolutely. Yeah. Good, I, good I got his. I got his name written down. We'll see if I can't get him on the show and so I can ask him yeah. that that, uh, that question. Um, okay, with cool. uh, there's something that I've always wanted to ask, but I, it always just seems to like anytime I have a board artist on or anytime I have an artist on. Yeah, I, I have these these you know questions that I come up with, and if they come up, they come up. I usually don't write anything yeah. down. I literally I wrote down Gabe Lynn's name and I wrote TMT at the top of this, and I've literally yeah. been just drawing little lines and shit like that. So I don't have a script yeah. or anything I go off of. It's all shooting from the hip. Um just seeing that. where the conversation takes us. But nonetheless, man, uh, I've I've actually held on to this question for a little while. Now, yeah. obviously when you guys jump from, you know, studio to studio, show to show, you know, you kind of have to match the sensibilities of the creator. Like you might have to change your art style and everything. So that's already a pain in the ass, I'm sure, just trying to match and see if you can do what they want you to do. Um and Yeah. So I cook for a living, right? So I'm just trying to give a little context to this question. So hopefully it doesn't sound like a dumb question, but like certain parts of the day, <clears throat> I can listen to podcasts, certain parts of the day, I have to listen to music, certain parts of the day. And depending on what I'm doing, uh, what task I'm making, I have to listen to a specific style of music. I can't be too high. I can't be too low. I got to be pretty consistent. You know, generally in the mornings, I'll listen to either a podcast. I'll listen to one of mine that I'm editing so I can sit there and take mental notes and shit like that. If I'm going to cut this out and everything. Totally, um, totally. And, you know, like once I start getting very hot and heavy in the kitchen and I'm starting to like, I've got 15 things going at once. I've got a whole bunch of invent. I got inventory or I've got uh, trucks coming in. I kind of have to change the tempo and change the pace. So generally I'll start with a podcast or I'll hit with like a little 80 synth wave, like stranger things style, as far as music goes, because it's pretty Love mellow. It. And it. generally like when shit, re- like when I really need to start moving, Metallica is generally the first band I go to, or I go straight to nineties hip hop. Cause I love nineties hip hop, nineties awesome. hip hop and R and B is like my jam. Um, but when you're drawing, doesn't matter what you're on i mean does your does your music change with the style of animation you're having to do or the the art that you're having to do or is it all just personal emotion uh when you're listening or trying to pick out something to listen to for you that is such a cool great question honestly um i feel like we don't talk about it enough but it's a thing like music Mm -hmm. uh for storyboard artists I feel like every every artist has a different opinion and take on it. Um, and I kind of forget sometimes. It's like, what are you listening to? You know, and, and what's what's inspiring you? And I love what you said uh, about the cooking. I I absolutely I have I have a work playlist that is like repetitive flow music or just albums I've heard a million times that I don't. I could just turn my brain off. It's white noise. White noise. Uh, Radiohead I love just because Tom, especially recent Radiohead, it's just like generally electronic and repetitive, you know, and that kind of does it for me. I have phases too, but I love making playlists for the project I'm working on. And I feel like a lot of people don't even know I do it, uh, but I do it for me. Like the first time I did that was I, when I was working at Blue Sky Studios, I worked on Spies in Disguise for a long time. It was all James, it was, this movie was trying to be a James Bond, animated James Bond movie. That's where they were going for. So I was constantly listening to kind of this grand bossa nova-y, like smooth old school James Bond music, but also some more like upbeat action sequence music. Yeah. But for Turtles, 
yeah, I uh, I was listening. It's so dude, here's here's one thing. What's so dope about Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross doing the score for this movie is like I that's what I pictured. Uh, I would play like those guys did um, a score for the Watchmen HBO mm-hmm. series and it's gritty. It's very heavy synth, like electronic uh, with it's very bassy and repetitive. And I had so much of those songs on my playlist working yeah. on this movie. Um, and and then they're like, Trent Reznor and Asgore Ross are, are doing the score for this movie. I'm like, perfect. Like, to me, that was always, like, in my head. I was always, um, whenever we'd have scenes with, like, gritty, villainous characters, especially Superfly, I was playing that kind of music just to get into that feeling. Uh, hip-hop, big part of this movie, had a lot of that. I had, like, a lot of Run the Jewels mm-hmm. uh which felt like it fit. So yeah, man, I, uh, music helps. I, I think it gets you in the mood. Um, it, you get ideas from it. You, mm-hmm. you get inspired from it. Like there's sometimes I, I feel like I can visualize the movie better if I hear the music first. Um, if that makes any sense. So, like sometimes I'll literally, I don't really, I don't think I've ever told anyone this, but sometimes I play songs and I just try to think of like, what would be the visual to this song? Like um, any music. It's like, if I were to direct the music video or if this was a scene in a movie, like, and just images come to mind. And so that's like the power of music. And um yeah, I just appreciate you sharing that because that's it's it's huge. It's it's really big for me. Um, and I think it was a music is a it's a very musical movie. There's a Absolutely. lot of almost every scene is like music. It's it's not a very quiet movie. <laughs> no, it's not. And there is there's one piece of music in there in particular. And I, I told Andrew this um, as well when I talked to him last week uh, that hearing the Go Ninja rap uh, yeah. from Vanilla Ice, yeah. I was like no fucking i was like did they really they got me with the trailers they they they, like i said they got me i literally stood up and i said let's (laughs) fucking go you know during this movie and when no no diggity hit and then vanilla ice hit before that i believe i think that was pretty early on in the movie um you know and i'm just sitting here i'm like dude this is so fucking great man it's like they hit something for every generation of turtles like you can literally go out there and you can pick uh you know any kind of scene and you're like that's the 87 or that's the mirage studios or that's the 2003 cartoon or that's a little bit of rise right there you know there's some like i said it's so cliche but there's literally something in here for for every piece or every faction of the fandom that's out there man uh like i said start to finish it's great um and you hit on something i wanted to circle back to when you're when you're doing a scene um, and you're you're thinking about trying to get ideas or inspired by the music you're listening to. It kind of helps you put you in the mood. Um, are you one of those guys that likes to start at the beginning of a scene and work it through? Do you just pick little pieces and kind of go forward and back, or how? What's your process as far as like doing an entire scene? Oh man, I I'm still figuring out my process. Like it's it's hard. It's 
storyboarding is so I love it it's like I feel like it's what I want to be doing is like making movies but man it, it just like the process sometimes feels like it changes every single yeah. assignment which uh I wish I'm trying to like hard boil it down into like a you know but I I would say uh generally it 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 flows from I don't think I'm um, at the thinking of the end. I, I think I read the script, you know, mm -hmm. they give you the assignment. Okay. This is happening. Turtles are taking down these mobsters. Um, and I'll get some ideas at the end. I'll get there. You, you know, when you're reading, like I always make thumbnails on this, on the margin. Um, I was taught that by Troy Quain, who, uh, is a directed the Nimona movie that came out to Netflix. Like he's oh. like, if you can record those first impressions um, when you're reading the script, if you could print that script out on paper and hold it. And as you're reading it, you're going to get images, just, just jot them with pencil right in the margin. It'll probably change, but sometimes it never changes. <laughs> it it yeah. stays but generally from a boarding perspective, when I'm going, like I have to see where we started to know where I'm going. So I definitely work uh, in order, like, which sadly that usually means the beginning of my pitch looks a lot cleaner and better. And then the end gets really sketchy, <laughs> <laughs> which is also cool. a piece of advice I got from my buddy, Jeff Call. He's a story artist at Pixar now. He was like my mentor when I was an intern at Blue Sky. And he was like, if you can like refine your drawings at the beginning of your pitch and at the end of your pitch, and then the middle could be like absolute crap. But as long as the beginning and the end look like decent, for some yeah. reason, people like that. And it's odd advice, but I actually think it's pretty true. Uh, uh yeah, you remember the first thing you've seen and the last thing you've seen. Everything else yeah. is kind of fodder in the middle. You know what I mean? It's true. It's true. And if it doesn't end well, like people will, that's the last thing they remember. So they'll mm -hmm. judge you on that, which is a bummer. But uh, I mean, first time I ever did a pitch as an intern, I didn't have an ending to the thing I was presenting. I just said, sorry, I don't have an ending. And I didn't realize that was like a huge no-no. <laughs> like. Yeah um what's that I feeling like when you're pitching for the first time though do you remember that that first pitch yeah i was nervous i was nervous i well blue sky studios and you know we've changed uh since covid and just the industry's changed you know they still had like kind of the old traditional i mean you know about animation and how storyboarding we call them boards because it literally used to be on a like a bulletin board and people are having a pointing stick so storyboard presentation and pitching was very much like a song and dance you did for the directors you're up on your feet you're acting it out you're like pointing at drawings and so even at blue sky even though you're sitting in the back of the room your work is being projected on a in front of everyone you're back there with your keyboard tapping through your little PowerPoint presentation, your drawings. Um, even though it's like you're not in front pointing, 
the feeling is the same. The tradition kind of carried the same, like the, the directors sit down and they sit back and it's like they're in the movie theater and they mm-hmm. want you to perform and like uh, make it feel like they're watching the movie. And um, there's no sound effects. There's no voices. You're doing it all. You're you're tapping through those drawings going, okay, he's a, ah, and then he's running for, you know, and um, everyone does it differently. But yeah, I I felt that pressure the first time pitching like, Oh my gosh, it was a room full of literally like 50 people. They're like, these are the directors over here. We have all these people who are like the entire, basically the entire story department was there, which was a lot. And yeah, and they're all sitting back with their arms folded and then you're supposed to do this little performance. Yeah, I was totally horrified. Um, (laughs) But then as you know, you interview so many animation people, you realize, oh gosh, people in animation are nice. Yeah. And if there's ego, like whatever, like just let that play out, you know, but like I'd say 99% of the time, people are just nice, nerdy people who love, love animation. They love to draw. So um, over time, pitching didn't freak me out i i knew that they wanted me to succeed and uh i actually kind of grew to enjoy the pitching part you know the drawing part's one thing but the pitching part i had to learn and uh kind of grew to be confident and believe in myself and 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 know that they weren't out to get me but uh they they just are happy to hear what ideas that you're presenting for their movie, you know? So that's, re- that's really Anyways, cool. Yeah. If, if you could give, cause there, there is a lot of people that listen to this that are either in animation, they're very young in their career, or they're trying to break into animation. So knowing what you know now, if you could go back and give yourself a little bit of advice, or if you could give these guys and gals that are trying to break in or younger uh, in, the, in the industry, uh, any kind of advice when it comes to pitching or it comes to boarding with the exception of make sure you have an ending, because we just found out that's a big no, no, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. make sure you've got an ending for it. But if you could give anybody like a little piece of advice for pitching or storyboarding in particular, what would you give them? Or what would you tell yourself a couple of years ago? That's a good, um, I'll just focus on what would I tell myself? Um, Cause yeah, I, I definitely see certain, well, I think they're hand in hand. Cause like I, I sometimes do mentoring um, for the organization rise up animation and you just meet so many cool people who are trying to figure it out and uh, learn more about storyboarding. And I think like anything, and and in my journey, like you can get distracted doing dumb, unnecessary things, kind of like the equivalent of like an actor being like worried about their biopic and their like picture, you know what I mean? Like, or like, oh, Who's like I need like, like semi shirtless picture of myself. And it's like, sure. Yeah, but also it's like Steve Martin's thing. He's like, you're also you should focus on being good. <laughs> yes. Um, like you but shouldn't you be a good actor who's working and learning? And so like for me, 
I think uh, as a student, get really wrapped up in the online presence, which is important. You have to you have to hustle. You got to put your work out there. Otherwise, people aren't going to see it. But man, don't don't get so consumed. And at our time, it was Tumblr, but now it's more Instagram where animation people post. But just keep making awesome stuff mm-hmm. and uh, make tons of mistakes. Uh, yeah, and 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 don't get discouraged when it doesn't. It's not all coming together. Um, right you learn away. more in those times, you, ladies and gentlemen. You learn more in those times. You learn more by screwing up. You learn more by falling on your face. I'm not telling you to go out there and that's all you should do because you re- you really want to nail it, you know. But yeah. Give yourself just as much room to succeed as you or give yourself just as much room to fail as you would to succeed. And I think you'll come out on top. Absolutely. I wish I wish I like. uh, My my old self, like. And this is honestly a message for me now, just like I, I felt very uninhibited in college. There was like raw creativity and things I was excited about. Um. And I kind of wish I, I want to cultivate that more now. Uh, but what am I trying to say? I think everybody's in animation and artists, creatives in general. Everyone's got a story to tell. Uh, uh, some people think maybe they they don't have enough experience or different things that have happened in their life to be able to have like an interesting like story. Uh, but we all have unique, cool sensibilities. We all have a different voice. Um, and just like trust that voice and and create cool stuff and Absolutely. get excited. And if your voice sounds different than what you see, you know, on Instagram or what, you know, okay, like, like lean into what your creative voice. And I think Jeff, again, with this turtles movie, Jeff Rowe, man, I think he trusted that comedy is kind of his, his wheelhouse. And he's Mm -hmm. his, I, I really, I emailed him the other day. I was just like, I feel like this was your movie. I feel like your voice came through those characters. He's also a writer, you know, so he loves dialogue. And it, I, f- I felt like he trusted his voice and uh, it, it came out unique the way he wanted it. And uh, man, if we could all do that, we'd be seeing a lot of original, really cool, oh, yeah. dope stuff, you know, TV shows and, and art and uh, just that if we had that trust and, and it didn't sand it down out of fear that it, it's, you know, not like something else or, or, or I get afraid all the time that it's too similar to something yeah. else. that's made. It's like, you know what, actually it might be quite different. You know, I'm working on a story about a vampire right now and I'm like, there's been a lot of vampire stuff and I'm like, you know what, but maybe I'm going to keep trying at it. I think this is different enough. So anyways, that was kind of a ramble. No, what was that's, that? That's, that's perfect. Uh, that's perfectly fine. I like rambles, man, especially because you guys, you guys give a lot of great knowledge. And that, like I said, there are a lot of people that will listen to this and they think, man, now I can do this because Andy Bialk, I don't know if you know who this guy is. Uh, he is a character designer um, and he's worked on 
essentially every show that you you mentioned from the 90s from samurai jack to powerpuff girls to dexter is a character designer on all of them and he he had said something so poignant and i I think a lot of people should really take it to heart because we and you you had mentioned it too with the social media culture most of the time people go and post a finished product right very rarely very rarely and, and he had said this as well very rarely will you know, you go and post the seven pictures it took you to before you got to that one you posted. And he was like, dude, you should be posting those pictures. I, I don't want to see that finished product. I want to see where you started and where you ended. I want to see the progression. I'm, I'm probably butchering what he was saying, but it, it, that pretty much encompasses what he was saying. Um, and I, I find that so articulate. It was such a brilliant point. And I was like, dude, we should be we should be doing that. Like we just want the 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 people to say, "Hey, look at me." The validation. Look at what I did. I did this perfectly. And everybody's got that 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 common misconception where it's just like, "Dude, this dude's crushing all the time. His life rocks, man. He doesn't go through depression. He doesn't do this. He doesn't yeah. do that." And you yep. don't think about like the dude that was literally fucking pulling his hair out trying to get that one line in that one specific spot, or if you cook like I do, trying to make sure that this came out to the best of my abilities and. Yeah. This whole this whole uh, diatribe that I was just throwing out there leads into my next question. Um, so whenever I give somebody a piece of food that I've made, yeah. bread, a dish, whatever, um, the first thing I ask is like, what do you think? And everybody was like, always, oh, always great. It's so great. It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. And I was yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> what would you rate it? And then they said, well, I'd rate it like this out of this. And if I don't get a 10 out of 10, I was like, all right, well, what didn't it have that you wanted to, what would have made it a 10 out of 10? Because I can tell you everything that's wrong with it. When I give it to you, I know because I made it. I tasted it. I know from my sensibilities, my taste, um, the look, the appeal, the mouthfeel, like all of that shit. I know what it needs and I know what it doesn't need. Um, and I'm trying to see if somebody else is either going to be honest or if they're going to look at it the same way I do. Obviously, taste yeah. like art is subjective, right? Everybody tastes salt different. Everybody looks at the color green differently. Um, so when I ask them this, my 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 idea of this is is like I want to progress. I want it to be better. I never take a compliment very well. Somebody says this is great. I'm like, that'll be better next time. That's the first thing I always say because I'm always trying to progress, right? Yeah. Now, with yeah. that being said, and all that groundwork laid for this question, when you look at that scene that I asked you about when we first started this conversation a little over an hour ago, man, like what was it like doing the scene or what was so fun about this scene? When you look at that scene, Looking at it in your eyes now, movie's done, movie's been done for a while, people are loving it, people have seen it. You've probably seen it quite a few times in the theaters, and I'm pretty sure you've seen it quite a few times during production. Um, is there anything in that 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 scene that you would change? Is there anything that you would want to punch up, punch down, or was there something you'd be like, fuck, that's where I messed that shadow up right there? Is there anything like that that you, you could point yeah. to that you'd be like, I wish I could do better? That's a great question. I, I feel that way all the time about my storyboards um that's a really good question i i think um you know i it's it's hard to say because uh this scene was what was so cool about this scene was the artist then took it to this next level and then mikros you know those uh, animators in both Canada, Canada and France like elevated it and then they but man when I was watching it in theaters I was like why didn't I think of that you know like <laughs> for example the camera is panning from left to right and Raph 
I had, and also I had just Leo knocking because Leo's the leader, right? So he's knocking down the door in my boards. It's just him in the front of everyone knocking the doors down of every single joint, you know? And in the movie, they, they made a different character knock each door down. I was like, oh, like, like I would have done it that, like, that's so smart. Okay, yeah, switch it up. Um, but again, when I was boarding, the movie was a little different. And it was a lot more about Leo being the leader and like, mm-hmm. kind of like forcing them into he, compliance. He was a leader, but he, he wasn't knowing, he, he didn't know how to lead quite yet. And so he was kind of controlling. But man, there was, in the movie, I think there was a scene where there was a fish tank. Mm-hmm. And one of the, and, and it's like the Z depth, like the 3D element, like a a, a guy's head gets like uh, smacked against the fish tank and it cracks and it's right, you know, the closest to camera. They just added all this flair. And um, I think I wish I added more cool shots for them to use. Um, but I I was proud. I was proud of my contribution for that one. And I just like I I this isn't answering your question, but like I could not be more kind of weirded out slash kind of mind blown when people are genuinely like commenting and telling me like that was my favorite scene in the movie or or yeah. something to that effect. I'm like, what are you talking about? That's like, like, it's hard for me to, I'm like, why exactly? Like, you know, it's hard for me to watch it objectively or like an audience member, but people are, my friend sent me a thing on TikTok saying how much someone loved that scene, said mm-hmm. it was like their favorite turtle fight scene they've ever seen and i'm like what like favorite like ever i'd put you it know? up there i'd, I'd put it up at the me. top of that list yeah well thank you so much and that is just crazy to me like I, i'm just like it was a group project it was a group effort i had this idea that rather than having these moments why don't we have it feel like it's all happening at the same time? Like five fights at the same time. I just seen that movie, everything everywhere all at once. And it's like, how do we convey five things at once? Oh, you just cut and, and match cut everything. And it'll, and then all of a sudden everyone's like, that's it, you know? And it's like, cool. You know, I'm so grateful that, that's just how it went, but I don't know. I'm just very humble. And it's like really exciting to be like, wow, I've helped make, I helped, I didn't make that scene, but I helped make a scene that was like someone's favorite scene in a movie. I don't get it. It blows my mind. I'm very grateful. <laughs> and um, it was fun to see. It was fun. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm critical of my own boards for sure. I cleaned them up quite a bit before I put them on Instagram. And that's the honest truth too. I, I I gave them just like a little tweak just so they'd be a little bit more like clear. Um, So to your point about things being polished and perfect online. Uh, I, I too need to hear that, you know, uh, it helps me when I see rough storyboards from really good artists and uh, 
rough ideas and not just these polished, perfect things. Cause that's just not how it is when you're actually working on anything. <laughs> oh, absolutely, man. I, I, I can't agree more. I can't agree more. There's a, uh, there's a quote here that I love. I believe it's from, I told you we wouldn't talk politics, but it's from uh, Teddy Roosevelt of all people. And yeah. I'd like to say I'm a smart guy, but I'm really not. I just saw, saw this a night at the museum, Robin Williams, my favorite actor of all time, playing old Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't think he said it in the movie, but I, I just went down a rabbit hole looking for like Teddy Roosevelt things. When I saw him, I was like, oh, I wonder how close he looked and shit. And I remember seeing a quote from him. It said comparison was a thief of joy. And I yeah. think that is just such a beautiful, beautiful. I, I've used encapsulating like three or four times this, this podcast. It seems like that's the word of the day, but it just yeah. seems so fitting for like everything we do. I talk to so many of you guys and gals that are storyboarders, that are background painters, that are writers. And the the last question that I'm going to ask you, I won't give it to you because I want to I get your like first take on it. Um, you know, everybody's answer, because I've, I've interviewed a lot of people that have definitely gotten 10, 15, 20, 30 years in the game, you know, so all of them pretty much say the same thing. It's like, I wish I would have appreciated the journey. He was like, it's cool to make all these things. It's cool to go get all these awards. It's cool to get these accolades. It's cool to sit here and say, I worked on X, Y, and Z. But he's like, people forget at that point that you worked on X, Y, and Z and what you did in between working on X and Y. All of those many hours you guys spent slaving over a board. He was like, it sucked. We were stressed. We had a deadline. We kept missing the deadline. Yada, yada, yada. All these excuses, all these things. And it's like, all I could remember was I got on this movie. We finished this movie. People like the movie. And he's like, yeah. I'm not and it's not until I'm talking to you, you know, sitting on this podcast thinking like, oh, shit, I forgot about like everything in between. Like there's so many times I'm pretty sure it'll happen to you, too. When I get off these phone calls or these Zoom calls, uh, you know, I usually say, you know, the, at least the next day, I'm like, hey, thanks for coming on. Uh, I had a lot of fun. Love to have you back on type of thing. And then the next thing I usually get was like, yeah, man, I had a lot of fun. And he was like, I remembered like three stories that I should have told because the creative juices started going. He's like, we just thought about yeah. pre and post production. You don't think about all of the in-betweens, you know? So if I could give anybody advice and even yourself, you said that you're very young in this, in this game. So everybody that, that is a veteran in this industry has told me the same fucking thing. Enjoy the ride. That goes with anything, ladies and gentlemen, wow. that whole adage of, if you like what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. There are <laughs> so many hard. I love what I do. I love cooking. There are so many hard days. If I could wake up and just sit in my uh, my, my Sesame Street uh, pajama pants and make bread out of my house, and then that's yep. how I made a living, fuck, of course I would, right? <laughs> but it's like we need we need this 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 adversity. I don't think that's the right word. We need this abrasion in our life to to make us really have meaning, man. So enjoy the ride, ladies and gentlemen. No matter what you do, you're gonna have hard days. It's what you do after those hard days. If you keep showing up. That whole that whole thing is like the definition of insanity is doing something, knowing the outcome or something along those lines and yet still doing yeah. it consistently. You know, I probably butchered that one again, too. My teachers in <laughs> high school told me I wouldn't really amount to shit. So I'm, I'm trying to really <laughs> prove them wrong. I've been reading books, ladies and gentlemen. I've been watching documentaries. I'm really on the <laughs> up and up, man. Uh, but uh, we're going to we're going to end it with this last question. I've had a lot of fun talking to you, John, man. I hope you had fun on the show. Likewise. Too because, Likewise thank dude. you. Thank you. Uh, like I said, this this scene, best scene. Uh, I, I put this one, like I said, you guys were like this close to 
to tying. I don't think you'll ever beat just because it's like that was my that was my first shot of heroin. Turtle heroin was that first, uh, you know, Ninja Turtle movie, you know, so I don't know if you'd ever beat it, but you guys have gotten closer than any other comic cartoon movie that's come out since that 1990s movie. Um, So, like I said, kudos to you. Now, when you guys were not when you guys, but when you sit back and you think about the entire 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 um, turtle movie. All of your yeah. help, all of your input, all of your production, all of the art that you did, you know, everything that you helped to make this movie a masterpiece. Um, and when you sit back and you think about all of that shit, like what can you sum up your experience? One word, one sentence, one paragraph, man. When you think of Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, man, what comes to mind? I think about working on it. Uh, during COVID, it was a COVID movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think about just seeing it was a joy. Working on it was a joy. I I said that to Jeff, the word joy a lot. Mm-hmm. I felt joy watching it. And to your, I love what you were saying earlier. Uh, there was some tough times. I There was some moments where... I felt like I was getting buried in work and I wasn't managing my time. Well, you know, I'm just not a perfect artist. Uh, I have so much to learn, but man, like I've just never had so much fun working on a movie before and felt so like lucky. And Mm -hmm. Seth Rogen's team with Point Grey, they were all just stoked. It felt like everyone was just, this was the cool project to be on. This Mm -hmm. was the one that people were hyped about and excited. And so it was just like a joy to be a part of and to be like invited to this little party. And so if I had zero scenes in the movie, that would have been just fine. Um, there were just really good people, really nice, insanely talented artists, like um working on this. And Jeff just like created that culture. I I, I really uh attribute I can gush a lot about him because I think the director does help steer the culture mm-hmm. of a movie, especially this one for me was more than a little more than two years working on this. So yeah, I the only word that comes to mind is joy. It was it was just like a pleasure and joy to 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 work on it, and uh, it was it didn't feel taxing. Like I've worked on a movie where I had to redo one scene over and over and over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, hey, will you? Uh, we're actually gonna we just rewrote that scene can you go back and kind of rework it and i swear i was redrawing this same scene a hundred times that was kind of fun in its own way like i'm cool with that it's no shade on that project but this was like every i felt like i got a million different types of assignments some emotional some action some crazy insane comedic gross creepy you know like just a joy <laughs> to mm-hmm. to just like uh have so much and it was fun it was just really fun to like be in this world and and think about how we can make this movie really like enjoyable for audiences and very entertaining 
So anyways, very long answer, not one word, but joy comes out. That was, that just like popped in my head when you said that. So, oh man, it was a joy to watch this one. I'm going to equate this one to one more reference. Like I said, we're pretty close in age. So I'm, I'm pretty sure you'll get the, uh, the reference. You remember when you would go into, let's say like fifth grade, fourth grade, sixth grade, maybe. And you go to school lunch and then you look up on the on the, the cafeteria counter and you see that rectangular pizza. You're thinking, <laughs> oh, shit, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know rectangular pizza for elementary slash middle school, you are missing out. Uh, <laughs> I've worked as I've, I work at the best restaurant in Florida, man. So it's like it's not like my my taste buds are just super bougie. Denny's is one of my favorite restaurants of all time. I totally, love going to Denny's, totally. you know, uh, so. <laughs> uh, I, I have, I've, I can go up and down when it comes to standards and, and food, ladies and gentlemen, is what I'm getting at, Yeah. but put you in that headspace, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to, you're listening to this, close your eyes. If you're watching this, close your eyes. We'll all make it look weird and sound weird, <laughs> but close your eyes. Imagine the smell of that cafeteria you're walking in and you're smelling, you know, cleaning, surprise, cleaning supplies. Maybe somebody puked the, you know, the period before, you know, you've got goulash on one side, you've got uh, pizza on the other. Somebody's got tater tots in their pocket, you know? Your flo- your feet are sticking to the floor. You're hearing that skirt, 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 you know. Uh, you're hearing chitter chatter from kids. And then you get up to that lunch lady and she's handing you a slice of pizza. And it's that rectangular pizza. And you know, like Ice Cube said, it's going to be a good day. They said I couldn't tie all these references in here, John, but I'm doing it, man. Pizza to Ice Cube to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um but uh, you get that pizza and you sit back and you think, like I said, today is going to be a good day. <laughs> Are right, you still there? Oh yeah. Don't worry, I'll cut this little part out. Um, oh no, no, but... I'm so sorry. Uh, oh, you're fine. It, my uh, the it wasn't charging, and then I was like out of battery. I was like, shoot. <laughs> oh, it's it's no worries, man. Uh, I'm gonna finish this yes, real quick. Uh, like I said, I'll cut out this little this little banter right here, um, and then pick it right back up. But ladies and gentlemen. You can open your eyes now and you can look down at that rectangular pizza and think, like I said, for the third time today is going to be a good day. I equate that feeling as a kid seeing that rectangular delicious pizza as watching this Ninja Turtle movie, man. The heart was there. You hit on it. The joy was there. It felt like every pencil that was lent, whether mechanical whether than physical or whether you were using your finger to draw on any pad you might have or finger paint. I don't know. Whatever you guys put into this movie, man, we felt the love, we felt the joy, we felt the respect. And I'm not one of those guys that sits there and is a gatekeeper for any kind of fandom. There's TMNT out there for everybody. If you like Rise, I love Rise. I think it's so fun. I also like the 2012 series, which in my opinion is the best cartoon that they've done. Um, Yeah. There is something in this movie for everybody to be happy about. It was an absolute joy to watch this like it was to eat that rectangular pizza from elementary school. It was an absolute <laughs> joy to sit here and talk to you for, for the last hour and a half, John, man. Where can the folks that are listening, if you want to know or if they want to know what John's working on next, man, where can they find you on the old social medias? I'm a John Jacks with an X. So uh, J-O-H-N-J-A-X, like johnjacks.com. And then if you look up John Jacks with an X on uh, Instagram, you'll find me. But uh, it's just a little doodle of a bearded dude. 
but yeah, come come say hi. Uh, message me. Tell me how you, what you thought of the movie. Honestly, uh, I I love hearing feedback, and it was a pleasure talking to you and hearing cool. your impression of the movie. Man, it it it, it means a lot. It, it really does, and um, it's really exciting that all of us were just hyped uh, at the reactions from the trailer, and then to see people actually see the whole thing is just like. I wish I could talk to everybody and <laughs> say, what did you think about this part? Um, but yeah, it's awesome. Cool. Well, cool, man. And uh, those links, ladies and gentlemen, will be in the description below. So make sure you go over there, click on John's profile and go say hi and tell him what you thought about the movie. Uh, like I said, man, I can't wait to see what you're going to do uh, next. Now you said you're working on a vampire, uh, vampire, um, what'd you say? Episode or vampire show? Uh, That's a personal project that I'm just developing on my own. Uh, but yeah, I might post some of that. Actually, some of that's on my website. It's about a hoarding. Uh, it's it's basically Dracula that uh, uh has on hoarders. <laughs> basically, it's like a thousand oh. years, and and he hasn't cleaned up because he lives forever, and his castle is just full of junk, and Igor is trying to help him clean up. So, <laughs> dude, this sounds so dope. Is it going to be like a little web series? Is it going to be a little comic? What is it going to be? I honestly it's I'm working on the kind of like a pitch for it to potentially be a TV show somewhere. Oh, that's so cool. Um, and it'll be on your website. You said I'm gonna go check it out and I'll, uh, yeah, I'll I have sure like a little weird little, very rough storyboard scene from it. Um, just on my website, John Jackson. Oh, that sounds cool, man. Uh, like I said, the link will that be in uh, the description down there below. Um, I'm going to go check that out because that sounds like a lot of fun, man. Well, uh, like I said, this this podcast has been a lot of fun, man. He's been John. I've been Julian. This has been the What's My Head podcast, and this has been another piece of your childhood. Good night. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Before we go, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with the podcast today. I truly appreciate every download and listen we get. If you're liking what we're doing, drop us a five-star rating, drop us a review, Tell a friend, and I'll see you next week.